Well, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ass crack of dawn to your race fans, and welcome back to Roland Race News. We're back live in the little uh, makeshift studio, currently watching Nebraska and Ohio State. I guess they're not really getting their asses kicked yet, but it's 14-7, to 7, so fairly impressive game, but this is a racing show, so we're not going to talk about football. I'm joined today by A.J. Oaks, area sport mod driver, and also kid that I went to high school with. We're going to kind of go over a little bit of just what brought A.J. around racing and kind of got him brought up in it. So, A.J., just kind of jumping off into it, I know your dad raced as you were a kid. Tell us a little bit about that and just kind of how you grew up around the racetrack. Any grandparents or anything racing, too, or did dad start that uh, addiction off? Um, my grandfather, so my dad's dad, uh, raced at, what was that, uh, Sunset Speedway? That was at... Sunset in Omaha, or are you talking about Midwest over on North 27th? Yeah, Midwest, that's what it was. He raced uh, what was the makeshift late models back in the 80s there and uh my dad he raced the flyer division at eagle in 97 he run he uh won rookie of the year that year and then he lost his ride and then you know i remember being a kid out there and you know playing with my little cars on the, on the little grandstands and stuff oh absolutely that was a staple of growing up at the racetrack and that's something that you know you see so many kids with tablets and shit nowadays it's so great to go out to the racetrack and see kids actually being kids and enjoying the outside and everything like that. So definitely cool to get brought up around the racetrack. Your dad jumped in a little bit later because I know when I first met you in high school, you were kind of a prick and I was kind of a prick. So we didn't exactly get along, but we had that common bond to racing and that always helps out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have been uh, 05, 06. My, uh, my old man decided to... Get himself into A mods, and he raced that for uh, 2010. I think his last race was back when uh, the Cornhusker Classic was at the state fairgrounds. Oh, the old state championship races. Yeah. So that would have been, I think, 2010 yeah, was the 2010. last state fair race. Yep. yep. Man, I miss that place. And yet another great Lincoln racetrack that's gone. We went from being a city that has three race tracks to a city that won't approve a drag strip. So there's a good point to transition. Your dad quit about 2010. I think you graduated around 2010. And like a lot of high schoolers that don't have a drag strip where they could do it safely and organized, you got to jump into the street racing world, which is something that I don't know a lot about. You know, I've, I've definitely seen you on 1320 before, but tell us a little bit about street racing and kind of how that works. What kind of car did you start out with? Um, my uh graduation present was actually a 85 camaro um that me and my dad pulled out of a cornfield for 275 bucks right off of uh satilla road and we restored that together and that's what kind of started the fueling for the fire of me wanting to you know be in cars and race cars fixed cars whatever and uh you know i used to go out on o street thinking i was king barney badass you know and I look back now and I'm like, God damn, that thing was slow. Like, you know, because I got a I got an '89 Camaro now and I've had four or five different setups in that thing. And uh, I remember my first big race. You know that we have a local race spot here that's in an indisclosed location to we'll, avoid we'll just, uh, we'll avoid just Mexico. Yeah, yeah, and but uh, anybody that does any kind of street racing around Lincoln knows exactly where we're talking about so 
But, Enjoy your insider scoop. But uh, first night I put nitrous on the car because I was like, you know, everybody's talking about power adders and there was this badass truck uh, that this girl drove. And I was like, okay. So I was like, man, it's that badass. I might throw a power adder on it, you know, whatever. We hooked the nitrous up to it and I made like a 20-foot test hit with it just to make sure the nitrous came on. And I went out on O Street and I was hanging out with some people and... We ended up uh, going out to Mexico, and we're sitting there just bullshitting. Come to find out, one of my now is what I consider a friend, Brock, uh, set me up. He he hit up uh, the girl that drove this truck, and was like, I don't know how exactly that conversation went down, but I remember standing there talking to him, and I just hear this this vehicle coming down the road just thumping i mean it's just loud as shit cam loping shaking the sidewalk the way a fucking motor's supposed to sound yep and i'm like what the fuck is that and i look over and it's that truck and i'm like oh shit and she gets out of that truck and we're friends now but then you know she didn't know who i was i didn't know who she was and she gets out you know talking the talk and she goes, that piece of shit third gen versus my S10. I was like, oh man, okay. Uh, all right, well, I need to go heat the bottle. So I heated up the bottle and we lined up and I I waxed her down the road and everybody there was jaw dropped. They're like, who the hell is this guy? And that's what really started fueling the fire. And then I started getting, that was just a 360 with some nitrous on it that Richard's machine built. I don't want to get into that, but um, then I ended up getting a blower with nitrous on it on a 355, and that just started. I started getting into 1320 videos on that. And I actually uh, was at the local drag strip, well, the localish that we can get, which is I 29 in Iowa, and uh, I actually threw the axle out of the side of the car, and that's what started me being friends with the 1320 crew because it made a big video for him and yeah i think that was a little past the myspace days right into facebook because i i definitely do remember seeing that video and it's not too often that you see an axle just shear and shoot out of the car yeah uh, everybody asked me they're like you, why didn't you you know you knew something was going to go bad i was like man i was just parking in the middle of the track trying to get tacos you know what i mean yeah <laughs> I, I make fun out of it and then I uh, got this big 421 set up in there with nitrous on it, and that's really what fueled the fire. And that thing was that thing was fast. I mean, a lot of people don't understand. Like, I've noticed now that I've been a part of both worlds, because I used to be a grandstand racer or grandstand fan, whatever. Oh, me too. Me too. And I'd look, and I'm like, it can't be that tough. You know, that's easy. And I don't think that way anymore. And a lot of people thinking, I've from what I've talked to in the uh, dirt scene was, oh, drag racing's gay, you know? And I think a lot of them think of drag racing like NHRA, which is gay. I, I hate NHRA. It's stupid. Bracket racing's stupid. But the adrenaline rush you get from doing 100 plus mile an hour in 660 feet, you have no time to think. Absolutely none. One mistake, I mean, you could be rolling your car just like that. And I've seen it. I mean, I actually had a guy wreck right in front of me at the local race spot, and it, it was 
it's frightening. I remember because my wife was, I think she was four months pregnant at, at that time. I didn't have a roll cage in my car. I was just out living dangerous, and she she flipped out on me, and I had to put a roll cage in it. And but seeing a car spin out right in front of you, cloud of dust, can't see nothing. See a light pole falling down. I was like, oh my god. This so this was on the Mexico Street. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah, they they don't have walls there. They got cornfields and industrial buildings. Yeah, and I mean that that was kind of an eye opener for me. And then my kid was born, and I took a couple years off, and then I got this new LS turbo setup in my car, and that was this year. I just got it done this year, and because I was trying to make a local racer's event that he passed away last year. Uh, down in Kansas at a legal street race and I got it done I got knocked out first round I had no testing on this setup and I was like I'm just glad I'm here you know I'm here to support Joe and then the last night in the car or last time I actually drove the car was they I-29 had this uh, street uh, road course takeover deal so it was basically a street race on the on the road course so i-29 is the track that used to be um mid-america motorplex yep. back before the floods yep okay that makes a little bit more sense because i i always i always thought there was two tracks right there and just had them confused so all right i'm squared away now yeah they they have the the drag strip with the road course that sits right next to it and i went out there and i mean that was the worst road I've ever been on like everybody knows I'm notorious for my car I'll go down anything I mean I always feel like suspension's more important than power when it comes to street racing and wow that that road was terrible I mean I knocked the tires for 400 feet I mean I couldn't get traction to save my life but and that was post flood yep that was post flood. that makes sense and but I remember sitting in the stagings in my car. My wife and kids were at home because there was no way they could watch the race because of where how it was set up there on the road course. And, you know, as from a little kid standpoint, drag racing is kind of boring. I mean, you, you can't... It's You got too much intermission in between rounds and stuff like that. And they don't really try to get the kids involved and stuff like that, which I get it. I mean, you know. And I remember sitting in staging and I'm like, I don't even want to be here. Like, my kids aren't here. My wife's not here. And it's just not fun anymore. I was happy as soon as I got knocked out of that race. I was happy to be out of the car. And I've never had that before. And I was, I was super confused because I'm like, this is what I live for, you know. Like, what's going on? And then finally dirt track started back up. Well, before we jump into the dirt track stuff, um, talking to you and writing some notes down the other day, you said that you met your wife through a street racing type of deal. Tell us a little bit about that. I'm sure she'll listen to this and she'll be all lovey-dovey that you actually <laughs> said something about her. Yeah. So tell us how that worked out. Yeah, I, uh, me and one of my buddies that I met through the racing, who is actually... Uh, the godfather to my kids now um, were holding a 
cash days per se. You know, that's pretty much what it was. It was pretty much money for a, drag racing. Bring what, run what you brung type of deal. Yeah, but we set it up to, you know, it was supposed to be a certain time limit that I don't think was followed very well. But you know, we we're out there having fun. And we're sitting at the shop getting ready to go out there, and one of my buddies rolls up, and this girl gets out. Like, oh, she's kind of cute, you know. And she leans on my car. I'm like, did I say you could lean on my car? She goes, I'll do what I want. Start rubbing her butt all over my car, and I'm like, oh, okay, she's feisty. <laughs> so right up your alley. Right. And we started talking, and you know, <laughs> I was kind of an asshole at first, but you already know that. <laughs> uh, you know, we are actually going through the McDonald's drive-thru, uh, I'd say about four days after that race. Her, her and my buddy, Steven, and I told the cashier lady, I was like, I was paying him once to get some McNuggets. I was a little bit drunk. And I was like, yeah, that, she's a stripper. This came from her, just so you know. <laughs> and, you know, we pretty much hit it off after that. And I actually asked her out. Our five-year anniversary was... Two weeks ago, what is the twenty fourth? Uh, yeah, they're about about almost two weeks. And uh, I asked her out in Kansas City as we we're going up on the mall book because she never rode uh, rode a roller coaster before. So, and here we are, two kids later, and married, and two dogs and a, two cats. And <laughs> man, it's amazing what stripper jokes in the McDonald's drive-through <laughs> and riding roller coasters can do. That's that's pretty cool so you talked a little bit about your drag racing and um not really being able to get the kids involved for somebody that's never actually i've i've been to a couple runs in scribner but we're talking when i was little little so i don't really know a ton about that i mean you watch the nhra stuff on tv and you see grandstands lined down each side but I totally see what you're talking about being difficult for kids to kind of stay entertained by that yeah. because it, I could see it being difficult. What is it like, you know, you talked about the timing in between runs. What kind of time span do you think that that would be? I know coming from the driver's seat, every second feels like a minute when you're waiting to go out and yeah. do what you love. Yeah. But between runs, are we talking a minute, five minutes? I mean, well, we're talking hours. Just in between runs or rounds? Okay, so like I-29, for instance, has, when I was there, they had four four classes, four or five classes. So I always ran drag radio. I was too slow for small tires because small tires were talking like basement five, high four, second, uh, Shit didn't get passes. Yeah, like getting it. Whereas drag radios about I'd say about 520s to 580s which I was close but I wasn't fast enough to be there I guess but I was too fast to be in one of their index classes gotcha so and I uh if I made it out of the first round which I did on my old setup I never did on the new set because I pretty much gave up on it but on my my 421 setup, I get out, uh, say, you know, I make it out of the first round, and I'd wait about an hour and a half before I get to race again. I mean, that's a long time. You know, my kids are there to see me. They don't really care about nothing else. And... And there's another unique difference between drag racing and dirt racing. I mean, in drag racing, you do have some radical paint schemes and wraps and stuff. 
But in dirt racing, you know, the way I see it is if you, you know, let's just, let's just say you sucked. Or not even if you sucked, but if you had some bad luck in your heat race, you get three opportunities to race in a night. Yep. A heat, a B, and an A. Well, so, unless you're in a sport mod, you might have a D. Yeah, you might have a D or <laughs> a C every once in a while. I don't know. We're so blessed at Eagle to get as many cars as we do because, I mean, you've been to a couple other tracks, but we'll we'll save that for the dirt side of things. But going back to the kids and drag racing and the differences and stuff, I, I never really thought about it, especially now because you've got Minion cars and Spider-Man cars and yep. all this and that. It's got a lot to keep kids entertained and you'll find that at eagle eagle really goes out of their way to make kids feel welcome and give them stuff to do it's not just hot wheels on the bleachers anymore yep it it absolutely is a lot different i mean i know like my kids are ecstatic when i was drag racing that i was i was racing but as soon as it was over you know it's not mom i'm bored yeah pretty much i'm bored running all over and you know whereas in dirt track you can take your kids in the pits and you know most drivers are like yeah you can sit in it or you can do this and i mean there's some drag racers that are like that but most of the time you're like man if my kid messes up that car i can't afford to replace it i mean one scratch in that paint and it's you know i was never big into making my car look good but there's people that spend a lot of money in that and i just you know so you're chasing them down you have to keep them away from cars and i mean that's that's not cool (laughs) Back when your dad was racing the Friday night program at Eagle, my uncle Bill Sims used to race a family sedan, and people would always ask him, when are you going to put some new skins on that car? And he'd just say, what's the best-looking car on the racetrack? And if they didn't have an answer, which most of the time they don't because, you know, you've got 20 cars out there, the best-looking car is always the one that's in first place. Yep, yeah. So transitioning over from drag racing, you kind of just lost interest a little bit, wanted to get the family more involved, so you decided to take up dirt track racing. How did you, what what really made your decision to make that transition? I know it's always been a family affair with you guys, but let us know a little bit about kind of how you got started and how you linked up to the setup that you got now, stuff like that. Well, I uh, when dirt track finally started up this year, you know, I was like, okay, I got a lot of spare time. I'm I'm not racing, so I went and was helping my brother out in the pits. Um, and your brother Stefan, right? Yeah, Stefan. The the guy that was supposed to come here after you leave and then got suckered into going to work today. Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was helping him out, and he was having a blast, and. You know, I, I came around a little bit when he was doing his compact stuff, but I, I just couldn't get into the compact stuff. I just I thought that was stupid. But I mean, I definitely see the point for them. I do, and I you know, there's a positive and a negative to everything. And for, for me, I mean, I owned compact cars and let people drive them for a couple of years, and it was just compared to working on even a hobby stock or a sport mod there they're just so much more work you've got to be you it's almost it's like you've got to have arm extenders yeah a yeah. ton more maintenance a ton and uh now you know you work on your sport mod here in a couple years you got kids so you're going to be into cage carts wait until you get into the wonderful world of easy ass cage cart maintenance <laughs> that is gonna i don't know i want to buy a cage cart and start running one myself just because you know once a racer always a racer i really don't have that much business in big cars because 
well, I'm kind of a blind kid and don't see real good. But a cage cart is so fun and such an ease of maintenance. So you're starting to learn how to work on these things now and yeah. getting into it. But I'll let you get back into your story and how you kind of got linked up with this after helping your brother out. Yeah, I... Uh... I was standing up there, you know, I, week after week, I kept saying, man, I, I should get one of these, you know. And then finally, I was up there, uh, it was probably late June, mid-June, yeah, it was more towards the end of June, and I was standing up on the catwalk as Stefan was rolling out with my buddy Dustin, and I looked at him, and I was like, I'm going to get one of these. He goes, you always say that, and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm for real this time, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking get one. He goes, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. And I'm like, okay, bet, you know, like, I'm going to get one. And I actually, uh, I've known Dan and Cole Wayman from when Cole was like 14. They actually lived right down the block, and Cole randomly added me on Facebook. And when I was putting my 421 setup together, I needed a starter. And Cole messaged me, hey, I got one. I'll give you a starter. I was like, are you sure? I'll pay for it. And he goes, no, I'll give it to you. I was like, okay. So, you know, I knew... Cole was really good in the in the sport mods and and I hit up Dan. I was like, "Well, what what do you think about these? You know, I'm running through uh, different cars that are for sale and stuff like that." And he goes, "That one's okay, but you know, going on and on." And about a week after that, he hits me up. He goes, "I'm gonna sell my car." I was like, "Okay." He goes, "I'm gonna let, I'm gonna make you an offer. I'm gonna make you a sweet deal on it. Um, I'm not gonna offer anybody else this deal." And you know, get your feet wet in the dirt track scene. I was like, okay, cool. You know, it's an old one jet. It was updated in the rear was updated in sixteen. If the Waymans had it, it's it's definitely pretty good. I I first started doing business with the Waymans back in the day. I had a really really old Larkin Sport mod. Actually, it was the last Larkin's A mod ever built, and I traded that to him for an old stevenson sprint car roller which i then traded for probably the fastest compact i ever had that it was the village bicycle because everybody got a turn is that the one that uh uh cole uh raced for you when he had to claim his car back yep that is the one <laughs> yeah that car got a ton of use let's see if i can think of all the people that drove it i drove it a couple times uh terry danley drove it at practice night at beatrice alan shively drove most of the year at eagle Kaylee Diekman, Mike Rice, Cole Krachow, um, <laughs> Old Krachow. Oh man, Erica. Somebody else drove it. I don't know. That car was that. That was the most fun I ever had with a compact. Was getting away from the driver's seat and letting other people go out and have fun because that was just an old two-two single overhead car. And we couldn't gain any ground at Eagle, but you'd take that thing to Beatrice and it would get slick. Oh, that little two-two would hum. Uh, the two best shows. Oh, Ryan Kitchen put out one of the best runs at Beatrice ever. Between Ryan and Alan, there was one night we ran 22nd to 4th, and one night we ran 22nd to 7th. That thing was a screamer. But anyways, this is a show. Well, this is my show, but it's about you today. So you get linked up with Dan Wayman. Great yep. group of dudes to talk they to and, are, and get advice from. If you're ever looking for advice, go talk to the Waymans. They are some of the most down-to-earth pe down people that you're ever going to meet, and they know their shit. Yep, so yep. you're sitting in an 01 jet. Uh, what's your motor setup like? Uh, when I got it, it was... Uh, oh, that's right. I keep forgetting you had a couple misfortunes with those. Yeah, yeah. When I got it, it was turnkey. All I had to do was... 
I put a different seat in it and I got hooked up with a set of gold fuss shocks and uh and a drag racing steering wheel and a drag no at that time I still ran the steering wheel that Dan had okay I, which was already bent because uh he wrecked it and put it back together and then I got it and he was like you might want to change that and I was like eh so first two nights I drove it was with the steering wheel that was in it when I got it and uh uh, I remember my first race at Beatrice, you know, I, I'm nervous as shit, I don't, I don't know, you know, reality's sitting in, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. It's a feeling that if you haven't gotten to sit in that seat the first time ever, you you just don't understand. Yep, and you're right, like I, I was saying earlier, you know. Did you poop before? I, I pooped a lot. <laughs> it'll happen, it'll do it to you. So, I was like, man, I'm like, I don't want to just go out straight out to Eagle and look like a fucking idiot, so... I was like, okay, well, Beatrice runs Friday night, and my brother talked me into it. He goes, let's go to Beatrice, and I was like, okay, and Goldfuss already told me the shocks on my car weren't going to work very well at Beatrice, but I was like, well, it gives me some seat time. Nobody knows me in Beatrice. Yeah, you just got to go out and turn some laps. And I went out for, finally strapped in and went out for practice, and I'll never forget that first turn. As soon as I went in that first turn and I felt the car roll over on the right front, I'm like, man, this is fucking weird. This is different. <laughs> I, I'm new. I don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, okay, I got this. You know, the nervous jitters went away. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go out in this heat race and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back and I'm just going to learn a little bit, you know. Fall back, see if you can catch up. Yeah, yeah. Well, two laps up, I've caught up. You know, I'm like, oh, shit. And then the whole, you know, competitive nature in me is like, okay, I'm going to fucking race this thing. Fuck this lay back and practice crap. And I spun myself out because I was giving it too much throttle in the in the turn. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm humbled a little bit right now. All right, we're learning. Right. So then I went into the A feature, which everybody makes an A feature at Beatrice unless it's a special. Oh, well, I guess I haven't been down there in a couple years. I'm actually going to talk to a guy that works over there later on this afternoon. I I love the place to death. If I always say that I don't want to run a racetrack, but if given the opportunity, Beatrice, I'll come down there and try and save you. Even if I fall flat on my face, at least I tried. I really want to see that place come back to the glory days. Which it, it's got. I mean, the track's great. I just always a good surface yeah. there's there's some great people down there that really care about it that try their hardest to make them work and my hat definitely goes off to them because i want to see that place work it's just you know really it is what it is we've i'm gonna try to help them promote a little bit so your your first night at beatrice you get a little happy on the throttle but you of course you get back on it and yep. you and you learn yep and uh that's when uh only first and only time i've been lapped because old Adam Armstrong was in my in my heat race, so I spun. Hey, there's out. nothing more humbling than getting lapped in your heat race. Right. Then I go out for the A feature, and I tell you what, that was. It felt like an hour I was in that car because I mean there was a lot of cautions, and I I avoided a lot of wrecks. I just everybody was spinning out. I actually spun out, but I kept it together and kept going. But there was some cars just spinning out here, here, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is, this is a lot, you know? Yeah, when you're used to going, you know, about a maximum of eight seconds in the eighth mile to sitting in a car for that long with the heat and everything that comes along yep. with it. Yep, and you know, I had the transmission just pouring heat off. I could, I could, because I run a power glide. I had the little 
safety metal over there fucking just heating my leg up and I'm like Jesus Christ and I remember coming it was under caution I'm like oh finally a break you know I clipped my visor up a little bit so I could get a little bit of airflow and I look up at the scoreboard and I see 11 laps to go I'm like oh my god are you serious longest I mean, 11 talking, laps of your life right this was like the fifth caution and I'm just I'm tired like I was like man what the hell this is a lot of work oh know? yeah it's a workout and uh, finally that was over and I got out and I was shaking. I mean, I, it, it wasn't like I'm, I was scared or anything. It was like a, an adrenaline shake. I was like, man, this, this is pretty fucking cool. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, Speed shakes. You know, I was pretty excited. I ended up, I think I started 19th and I finished 18th. Um, so, I mean, I didn't really lose any. I didn't really gain any. I think the only gain was I think sat off broke. And he had to pull off, so that was where my spot gain came from. So, um, but I mean, I remember because I called uh, as soon as I got out of the car, I called Chad because you know, Chad worked with me at that time. Oh, yeah, Chad Cook, yeah, yeah, and he was all excited for me. He goes, See, I told you, you like this dirt shit. <laughs> I was like, You know, me and him bullshitted a lot about it at work. I mean, we picked each other's brain quite a bit. That's a good brain to pick. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then I was like, ah, fuck yeah, I'm going to Eagle tomorrow. Hell yeah. You know? So, uh, next day, you know, I roll out to Eagle. I did no maintenance on it because I don't know what the hell it needs. So, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to race it. You know, I put fuel in it. <laughs> Went out. And uh, I remember the first turn at Eagle. I was like, holy shit, this is some banking. Oh, yeah, it's it's way different. And I actually finished fifth that race. Started dead last, and I finished fifth. I was like, hell yeah, you know, I'm doing decent. I went out to the B feature. I think I finished, like, sixth or seventh, something like that. And then then I, I got back into the pits that night, and the steering wheel was, like, caved in. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, it definitely needs replaced now because I, I, I bent the sh living shit out of this steering wheel. So I was like, I'm not going to go buy one. I was like, maybe I should put one in here I feel more comfortable with. So I ripped the one out of my Camaro. I put it in the car. I was like, hell yeah, you know, I'm used to this. And a little fun fact about my car, which my brother bitches at me about it all the time, was I got the 6-to-1 sweet box in my car. Because when I got it, the steering box was, it was a stock steering box and it was broken. And my brother kept swearing up and down, just spend the money and buy a sweet box. I was like, okay, well, my car already had a 2-to-1 quickener in it. I just left it in there. So I'm running with like a three to one steering ratio. So it's like it's like driving a go kart. <laughs> oh well, there you go. Then the smaller steering wheel does make a little bit of sense. Yeah, yeah. So I'm out there. You know, I put that in there, and my third race, I made the A feature at Eagle. Start up front. I was like, oh hell yeah. You know, I got second in uh, in my heat race that day. Uh, Weber beat me out, beat me out of my first spot there. And I'm like, oh, I I remember that night because I was up there in the booth calling it, and I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna get to announce this kid's first heat race win, and I'm like, shit, announcer's curse. I didn't even say it; I just thought it. Yep, yep. And Weber came flying around me, and I couldn't I couldn't run Weber down, and nobody behind me could catch me. So now my ego's real big as I get in this A future. Right? AJ Oaks is ego real big, never. <laughs> and. I made it two laps and spun out in front of everybody. But and, everybody missed you. 
Most everybody missed you. Uh, somebody clipped a little bit of my rear, but, you know. No, oh, well. My bumper, that's what it was. They clipped my front bumper. And I'll tell you what, that, that humbles you real quick. Oh, yeah. That, that'll that that'll knock you down a couple pegs. My, my ego went from 100 to zero real quick. And I'm like, oh, man. And I almost finished that A feature, and then the tranny gave out. I mean, it was instant rev limiter no matter where I was on the track and I was losing ground like crazy so I pulled off and I did a couple races later I was about to win my first heat race and uh, totally scattered a motor <laughs> I mean which sucked I was really upset because I'm like well it's over now you know I can't afford to replace this right now I expected this to at least last the rest of the season which I mean it scattering was partially my fault I should have did a little bit better maintenance on it but uh I accidentally clipped as I blew up I knew I thought it was gonna make it I thought I was seeing things I remember going through the turn or turn one and two and I watched my oil pressure gauge flutter and I'm like well, this is the first time I really looked down at it. You know, maybe that's what it is. You know, maybe I'm just seeing things. Maybe it always does that, you know? Yeah. And I, I felt it start to lose power, and I'm like, oh, shit, come on, baby. Just two more laps. Two more laps. Two I'm, more laps. We'll figure this out. Right. And as I'm set up in three, it's it just, boom! It, it, it blew up so hard it knocked the gauges out of my dash. Oh, man. I See, I just remember the big puff of smoke, and I'm like, ew, that, that was a grenade. I didn't know it blew the gauges out of it. Yeah, it literally knocked the gauges out of the cluster panel. I mean, and I couldn't see. I mean, it was so filled with smoke, I couldn't see. The first thought I had was, okay, I need to get to the infield. And I have no power steering, so I'm like, you know, cranking ew, on that wheel, on trying it. to get it, get it to go down the infield. Well, I didn't realize that Swanson was that close. Actually, he's going to be over tomorrow. And I, I clipped him on the way out, which I felt really bad because I screwed him out of an A feature because it tore his car up pretty good. You know, I walked over to the pits right after that race, and I was like, look, man, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't know you were there. I was just trying to get off the field. I couldn't see. And he wasn't really mad. You know, he was mad about it, but he wasn't like, mad mad at me i guess per, per se because it, it's a racing deal at that point yeah. it's just a racing deal it's not like i intentionally did it or i couldn't drive because i was clearly driving it was i made an error so i uh my old man came up to me because you actually came over to my car after that yep and i was fighting back me being mad sad bunch of mixed emotions about it because I'm like fuck my season's done you know like I, I can't I literally cannot afford to replace this right now and we talked a little bit when I got out and dad said don't worry about it we'll put that motor I bought together real quick and so you can come out next week it's like okay cool That's, if you say so yeah you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bitch about it and I get out there and I'm supposed to start pull I'm like sweet Okay. And uh, I went to back up and my car died as I'm getting ready to go line up in staging. And all my pit crew, except my buddy Dustin, is already on the catwalk. Is already on the catwalk. And I parked back in the boonies back there, so they can't really see what's going on. And uh, I don't remember their first name, but the sad offs that drive the, the hobby stocks was over there. 
Kent. Oh, Tyler Sadoff yeah, and Brett yeah, yeah, Sadoff. Yeah, yeah. Great guys. They were awesome. They pushed, helped Dustin push my car back to their trailer because my jump box wouldn't do it. It was dead or whatever. And they jumped my car and I got it. I tell you what, sometimes I wish those receivers, you could talk back to you guys. It'd be neat. Because. Oh, don't ever think you're talking to me. I'm, I'm unreachable. <laughs> I'm just the guy with the microphone. Because <laughs> uh, Roger came over the receiver and he goes, I'm literally getting ready to pull onto the track. 26 you still want your pole spot and i said in my helmet well duh i want my fucking pole spot i pull on i know more and pull on the track guess not 11h move up i'm like are you damn are you fucking kidding me i'm mad as shit right now i drove that car all the way to fifth place and ran out of ran out of real estate i mean you know and i just it still makes me mad just thinking about it like you know i could have made it and then Oh, I forgot to talk about my DQ. Oh yeah, your DQ. I remember that. Um, I was I was gonna go down there and do a heat race winner interview. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, where the hell's he at? And Dan texts me. He's like, go figure out what's going on with Oaks. And I'm like, well, I'm already standing here. Yeah. So, I uh, I was leading the heat race. It had and that heat race was stacked. I mean, it had scouting, uh, sat off. There was another heavy hitter in there. Harker, Hall, um, let's see, heavy hitters, there's about 14 in that class. Yeah, there was a couple others in there. And I was leading it. I got into second. I was like, okay, I'm good. And I seen scouting coming underneath of me going into three, and I'm like, I'm just going to ride it. And, you know, everybody kept telling me that turn four wall, it'll suck Oh, yeah, in. it'll sneak up on you real quick. And I'm like, nah, no way. So I stayed in it, and it sucked me right up, and I smacked that wall. I actually, there's actually a, on my mom's video, there's a me riding the wall down, and I stayed in it. Three laps later, you know, I got third, and I'm like, hell yeah, you know, I'm good. Overcoming adversity. Right. I roll over across the scales. I made I made weight. Roll off, and Dave Brand walks straight up to my car. Scouting and sat off already rolled over the scales i roll over he immediately just walked straight to my car well i think this was partially my fault because i emailed him the week before with chad talking about how he should allow ls stuff <laughs> into the deal and oh and you went and brought attention to yourself yeah, yeah i realized that was a bad no big no-no you know and uh he dq'd me for a scatter shield that i didn't even know i had to have you know, and I talked to the Eagle Techs, and they're like, normally we just tell you, hey, you know. Fix it for next week. Fix it for next week, you know. It's not performance enhancing. It's it's a safety deal, which I understand it now, but at the time, I didn't even know. I drove the Yeah, didn't even know what it was. It. Yeah. And he DQ'd me. Well, Eagle tried to give me my spot where I should have been in the A feature, and he walked up from the infield to the pit shack just to make sure that I was dq <laughs> So, uh, Jamie came up and she goes, I'm putting you, you still can go run the C feature. You can run the B feature. Just don't, just don't make tech in the A feature. And I'm thinking, I ain't gonna make tech in the A feature anyway. I'm not that good yet. And I went out for the C. I didn't realize how good I was doing. I was just wheeling it, you know. And race was over and I'm like, eh. 
you know, fuck you, Dave. I was still out here doing it. I pulled off, and they're like, 26, you made transfer spot. Get back out on the track. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> All right, I'm in. I'm in, you know. So that was pretty cool. Um, you actually want to hear something funny? Sure. One of the dirt track racer jokes that somebody played on me. I don't remember who it was walked up to me, and they're like, hey, just so you know, they're doing receiver checks tonight. It's like, okay. He goes, so if they... They call your name over the receiver. You got to wave at the flag man. I'm like, that seems weird, but okay. This dirt track stuff's weird to me anyway. But all right. So I, I mean, I have a little bit of troubles hearing in my receiver anyway, unless it's somebody yelling yellow or red or whatever. So I never really looked at the flag man. This was my second, no, third race in. I never really, yeah, it was the third race because I was running behind Weber. And I never really ever looked up at the flag man. I just waited for him to tell me, you know, it was, the race was over. So now I'm paying attention to the flag man. I'm like, oh, man, hopefully they don't call me to, you know, stay at that. And I see a flag man, you know, reach his hand down. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing? So I let go of the wheel and I wave at him. It's like, okay. And I go around another lap. He does it again. I'm like, what the fuck's he doing? And I wave at him again. <laughs> well, you know, he's telling me laps to go, but I'm sitting here driving by on the front stretch waving at the flag man. Uh-huh. <laughs> So that uh I hadn't heard that joke, but I'm gonna have to remember to tell people that. Yeah, that uh that racer got a big kick out of that because I I'm guessing the flagman just thought I was a really nice guy and an arrogant asshole. One of the two They just <laughs> waved the rocker at you. But uh then I went up to Columbus. Uh final my final race was up at Columbus. I got in touch with Angie, who helps run that track and Angie Johnson. Yep. And I uh, was talking to her, and, you know, I was like, you know, me and my brother are coming up, yada, 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 seeing how the track worked, because I've heard good things, but I just heard they don't have the equipment to do stuff. You know, Columbus is great at making diamonds out of dirt. Yeah. They are, that is just, I don't know why I'm jumbling my words here. Their whole operation relies so much off volunteer work and the kindness of others, and they really put on a great show. I've i got to find a new job before next year so I can get up there more often. And, you know, she said, you know, because I, I had mentioned Beatrice and how they hadn't paid me yet, which they finally did. I had to blast them on Facebook just to get paid. But, you know, um, oh, you know, funny story about that. You know how they said they messed up my address? You know, or I we messed up my address when we wrote it down, me and Stefan. Funny, Stefan got his check right away this week. Or last week from racing beatrice oh they're always pretty stout about uh, their nationals because that does um i don't know if you were around too much in the dirtdriver.com days but man back in the day they would get those keyboards a beaten yeah if even the slightest thing went wrong the the old dirt drivers message board really used to be kind of the crucifix of racing that's that's where you went to get hammered yeah and uh she was like well everybody's super nice up here I'm like, okay, I'm sure every track says that, you know? Oh, they are definitely super nice up there. I got in there, and everybody and their brother was talking to me. I didn't know who they were. Don't Still to this day, don't know who they were, but they were super nice. That's like being an announcer. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, this, they're almost too nice, you know? Well, I get out on that track, and I'm like, wow, this, this track's different. And I played a little eagle game with them. Because a lot of, a lot of the racers up there were normal 
everyday Columbus racers. They just raced Columbus. That was it. Yep. And I don't know who the guy was, but I was always told, you know, when you're going into the turns, getting ready to go green, you ride their ass. Well, apparently Columbus don't know nothing about that because... Eagle definitely keeps their fields. Uh, they they bunch them up pretty close together. So I'm sitting there. My bumper's right on this dude's bumper ready to go. And he's getting mad. You, I could just tell by the way he was moving the car around. He was he was a little bit upset. And he ends up jumping the start. Because I'm sec- starting second row back outside. Well, he jumps the start. And there go 38. You jump the start. 26, move up. And I'm like, oh, he he big mad. He big mad right now, you know total restart so we roll out of two and he starts doing it to me i'm like oh you think you're funny okay so i start dragging the brake <laughs> i start dragging the brake on him and i just i left the field i mean coming down the front stretch i don't remember who was starting pull but i just i pulled away from everybody i'm like hell yeah i'm finally gonna get that heat race win you know and i'm sitting there going going you know it's six laps in no five laps in and z double zero uh he raced eagle a few times um showed his nose to me and i'm like oh shit they came out of they're there they're there you know i've been up here by myself and i set up in three and as i'm set up in three i feel the car bogged down and it almost made me spin out and i'm like what the fuck not again not again and i looked down Oil pressure is good. Temperature is good. I'm like, okay, maybe that was just something Just a weird. hiccup. So I lost three spots. I start going. I start gaining a little bit. Then I'm I'm almost dead last now. I'm like, what the fuck? I set up in three again. And right as I'm coming out of four, Cub Pluey. I mean, just a field of fucking smoke. And I was like, you got to be fucking. But I learned my lesson. I rode down the middle of the track and didn't pull off so that, you know, I didn't wreck nobody. I pulled off out of the exit, and next you know, boom, big old flame shooting out of my car, and I'm like, ah, oh, shit, it's on fire. And I, I'm not getting out, because I'm like, I, I could see where the fire was, I'm like, Phew. they'll come over here and put it out, you know, I'm not going to get out right now, it's a waste of time. They come over, it was just a little bit of an oil fire, and that was the end of my dirt track this year. It sucks, because I would have had what was only three A features could have been six a features out of 10 races so first year definitely learned a lot you had the ups and you had the downs definitely were were really impressive for a guy that just jumped into it i mean racing is a great sport of people of many different backgrounds you got heart surgeons lawyers and junkyard workers and everything else they really come of all types so you got your first year out of the way everything's all packed up for the winter what are your wintertime plans to kind of try and come at next year full swing if you're or are you going to go back to drag racing no i'm not i'm not going back to drag racing anytime soon i I'm, I'm a little bit hooked on this dirt track stuff but uh i got some upgrades that the car definitely needs i mean it, it's it's an old car i mean it, it's still an 01 up front everything's old up there you know and obviously i got to replace a motor and i haven't decided if i'm going to build me and chad have talked about building a another open motor but at the same time these crates out here are just lasting for fucking ever and i'm like but can i really justify spending that much money on a crate you know 
It's tough. Like yeah. uh, the last meeting that I went to with some IMCA people at it, it was actually a Beatrice Speedway meeting where they were trying to make some plans for the next year. This has been years ago now, but uh, the IMCA guy says, if you buy a brand new crate motor, the only thing that we can't tell you about it is what color it's going to be and how long it's going to last. Because, yeah. you you know, you've got guys that go out there and get four nights out of them, and then you've got guys that go out there and get 300 nights out of yep, them. Yep, I mean, you're not wrong. And, you know, I, I have stuff to put another open motor together. Well, then I'd do that, but that's just because I'm an open motor guy. Well, I like open motors too, but... And you're a guy that can work on them. Like, yeah. I, I get the crate side of things where, you know, not everybody is a super small block Chevy mechanic, and it doesn't take a whole lot to, you know, run valves. Right. And I I don't know. I just, I haven't, I just haven't decided. And, you know, I, I got a little bit of time, you know, it wouldn't take much to put one back together. Actually, me and Chad just sat down two different times this week talking about it because the short block in my that I just blew up is still good it just hung some valves open so I'm like well we could just disassemble that and go straight doctor on it because I mean we threw that motor together in a week my dad said it because I forgot to mention that when I got my my sport mod it also came with a sport mod roller and my dad's coming out next year. Oh, perfect. So we've definitely... Here we go. We've got some race news on Roland Race News. Yeah. Uh, James Oak's going to be making a comeback. Is he going to go sport mod or is he going to try and get a hog and go A mod? No, he's going sport mod. He's going to be with us. I, I pretty much... I was like, you know, all the things you've done for me for the years here, just take it. Yeah, just I, take it. It's yours. And that's a 2010 Lucky chassis. Oh, those were some great chassis. Uh, back in the day when your dad was running A-Mods and Alcorn was kind of the cream of the crop, uh, that's what he was running. Yeah, yeah, I love them old Lucky chassis. It was actually uh, Swanson's old car. I didn't know that until I went out and swan I bought some tires from Swanson. But, uh, yeah, so he's he's going to... I asked him, I was like, because that's his motor. I'm like, so you going open next year? You going to run a crate? And he goes, after seeing you blow up two opens, he goes, I'm going to put a fucking crate in it. Fuck that. I'm like, okay, so what are you doing with the one that's in my car? He goes, well, I don't know why. I was like... Well, I'm trying to make my plan, Dad. Hey, yeah, well, I'm sitting here trying to figure it out. I mean, if you're not going to run it, I'll buy it from you, you know? So I think, I think I'm going to build that open no matter what. And if I come across a great deal on a crate or something like that... You know, it never hurts to have a spare. Yeah. And... That, well, and I don't know how much of, you know, you never really know what you're going to run for specials and stuff, but I know guys that, well, I went to the tradition over in Corning, Iowa at Adams County Speedway early October, and the first night, the Jesse Dennis, he was running his crate car, and the second night, we'd had a bunch of rain the night before, it was really cold, so he's like, uh, no, we're going open motor racing, and he just cleaned everybody's clock with that open motor so it is always good to have those options that i, th I think the downside of the open which is because imca makes money off great motors i mean oh yeah that's why they do it i think the problem with the open motor is you know you can build a badass open motor but another one of the select eight maybe that still run open motors can be like you know what that motor's pretty badass i want to buy that one uh-huh they can take it and then take it so that's that's kind of the drawback which i feel like 
crate should have a similar rule, but instead of, you know, I put money to buy your crate, I put money down and we swap crates. Oh, that's a good idea. I hadn't really thought of that because I, I get what you're saying. When I was growing up at Eagle and Beatrice, it seemed like there was a claim every other night. And I think that that was keeping people's budgets down so right. they weren't going and throwing, you know, I'm talking $20,000 AMOD motors that you could buy for like, I, I don't know what the claim rule was, but let's just say 1200 bucks. So it kind of kept everybody a little more fair and honest. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people still run with a lot of fairness and honesty because, quite frankly, if you get caught, then it, it's just not worth getting caught. Right. But, I mean, like, if there was a swap rule... I think that'd be cool. It would stop people from... It would sit, make people second guess, you know what, maybe I don't want to go spend this $6,500 and get this magical Mullins motor, Mullins crate, that you get magically another 90 horsepower out of, you know, like keeps keeps everybody honest or at least second guessing their how much money they're gonna you know buy for you know spend on this you know keeps them even oh absolutely and there are ten thousand dollar open motors out there yeah you know yeah. you can you can pretty much spend as much as you like as long as it's within the confines of the rule book and it doesn't always make the biggest difference in the world so you talked about chad cook a little bit yeah. and i know that he's got that precision racing dyno yep, sorry chad if i pronounced it wrong i was gonna ask you that have you guys went down there and tried that out and what kind of difference did you notice after you did it well me and my brother both have been on it uh me, that's one thing I've noticed about a lot of uh, dirt track drivers, because I come from drag racing. You know, everything yeah, dinos are dinos are. You know, you're used to that. Super important. You know, like it's good to know your AFRs and stuff like that. Where a lot of these dirt track guys I've noticed don't realize how valuable that is, because you could go out one night, or you know, okay, I got a fresh crate, I put a carburetor on it, and call it a day. Okay, just because you put that carburetor on there don't mean that air-to-fuel ratio is right. I mean, you could be running a normal gas engine's about 12.8 AFR, and it could be running 14. And it could be leaning out, you know, and you don't even know it. And sometimes I think that's why, you know, brand-new crate blows up in three days. That could be why, you know, you don't check that. And like me, we found mine was a time I, I like to run my stuff a little fat just to play on the safe side yeah but we found out mine actually needed more timing and that's when i came out and almost won that heat race was you get I was, her thumping a little better yeah and uh i picked up i think it was like 22 foot pounds of torque damn like it was a lot you know just because i had the wrong timing and i changed a different style of spark plug in it which i'm not going to give my tech tip on that but uh me and chad talked about that and it picked it up and then well Stefan got on there because i talked him into it i'm like just put it on the fucking dyno i'm telling you yeah so, spend the money it's yeah. worth it and put it on the dyno found out he he was running i think he was running a little lean and he had a stumbling problem well fixed it and then next the that next week i think stefan went out and won his heat race and he was actually he was running set or he was running first in the a feature that's what it was oh yep that night um i think he lost it with one or two to go two with to go. uh with matt andrews yep yep uh the caution came out and then uh matt andrews came around him at, after the green flag flew and that, i mean took him out of the wind but 
he was fast, you know. Still a hell of a run. And one of the best interviews that I've gotten was actually out of Stefan this year, you know, making his first tech hey feature at Eagle. Definitely an emotional situation, and that was pretty cool. And by the way, just a side note, if you ever get a chance to go hang out with Matt Andrews, he is a cool motherfucker. Yep, I, uh, I actually bought some tires off of him before I was going out to Columbus, and Andrews is a good dude. I, yeah. I like Andrews. He keeps it real. I told him because I listened to his... uh podcast with uh dan oh on the front stretch on the front stretch i was like man i kind of took a little bit of that personally because what do you mean i was like you're talking about all these guys come out here and you know don't know what they're doing they spin out and i'm like man i felt kind of attacked i feel attacked (laughs) and he goes nah you're you're doing all right you know you ain't never been out here but i'm talking about these people that have been out here three four five years and they're still doing it Every once in a while, yeah, everybody spins out. But when you're doing it every single week, that's a problem. You know, that's kind of a difficult thing with the sport mods is you've got such a mixture of totally talented people that are making the curve from beginners into talented race car drivers. And you do have a lot of squirrels there. And sometimes squirrels are rookies. Sometimes squirrels are people that have done it for a long time. But... You get a really good mix of diversity in the sport mod class, and there again, you know, the positives and negatives to everything. Sometimes it goes real good, and sometimes it goes real bad, because, I mean, just the nature of the beast. I think next year's going to be really interesting. I think a lot of people are going to be switching and swapping classes. Some guys are going to go up to eight mods. Some guys are going to buy stock cars. Some guys are going to get out of it. I I think we're in... going to double team it. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. There's I'm looking forward to Jordan Grabowski in a mod, a stock car, and a sprint car. I'm, that, that'll be I'm pretty sure you can do that under IMCA rules. I want to see a bunch of people do that. Will they let him? Because a stock car is two classes back. Will they let him run a stock car and a sprint car? Because I know, like as a as a B mod driver, I couldn't go run a go run an A mod because stock car. I'd have to run a stock car or a hobby stock. Okay, so it's single class jumps or drops. Yeah. All right. I I wasn't sure how that worked. Stefan wanted to come out and run a compact just for shits and giggles, and then he would have lost all of his IMCA points because he dropped back too many classes. I, I never thought about that because you think about Cole, um, Cole Creco, he runs the hobby and every once in a while jumps in a compact. I didn't really think about that. I'll have to do my research. I need to sit down with the IMCA rule book and see what's changing from this year to next year. Yeah, because from my understanding, talking with a few different people, you're only allowed to go up or down one class. Well, you can go up however many you want, but you can't go back down and run. So if I ran an A mod, I can't run a B mod. I'm not sure. I wonder how that would work because race savers are kind of the, you know, elite of IMCA. There's right, and I don't know whether you'd call it the late models or the sprint cars. Those are kind of, I mean, for IMCA, I really think that the modifieds are their biggest draw. That's really what made IMCA, because IMCA is the oldest sanctioning body in the United States, but they've. When they rolled out the modified, it really changed, and that's what super put IMCA on the map to stay. So I don't know how that works. I might have to get Brett a, give Brett a call and see if he can come up here sometime and just BS with me about that because I don't know how that would work. But it would be cool. I'm definitely I, I, looking I forward to seeing people double dip. Cool, but I don't know if they'll allow it. But And I know Wayman's going to run both classes. Uh, he's running stock car. He went out. He sold his late model, and he went out and bought a stock car. Um, so he's running stock car and a B mod next year. So 
that ought to be interesting. Uh, who else was it? Um, there was another. Did I hear a rumor? Um, I know you hang out with RJ Mods. You guys went to Joe's Karting a couple weeks ago. I heard he was going to get a stock car or a sport mod. Do you know? Can can you say he, he what bought, he's got yet? He bought a sport mod. I uh, we actually went and picked it 